Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan. I'm from TheBigKickoff.com. It's Nathan Doyle. Now, only a matter of hours ago, Republic of Ireland manager Stephen Kenny named his 25-man squad for the playoff game versus Slovakia, which included Shamrock Rovers midfielder Jack Bourne. Nathan, what did you make of the squad? Um, probably wasn't too many surprises, was there? Like, we, we had a feed and he was going to probably stick to something similar to what he did to where Stephen Kenny's first two games. Look, as a League of Ireland fan, I'm happy to see Jack Bourne in the squad. I think we can all agree that the first two games under Stephen Kenny, the midfield was the big issue, was the big problem. And we even said ourselves that, look, if you put someone like Jack Bourne into that midfield tree that he's supposedly going to go with, it's, that probably could work out. You know, like it's something that was missing. They were missing that bit of creativity in the midfield. And I'm happy enough to see Jack back in. Uh, the one that sort of surprised me was... Dara O'Shea once again missing out and I know I went on about him the last time too but especially now with the, you have someone even like Lenahan in here in, in the squad Dara Lenahan playing for uh, Blackburn who while he is playing consistently for Blackburn I think I'd rather have someone like O'Shea in there ahead of him who is playing now I'm in the Premier League on a consistent level so that was probably the one that really stood out for me it was the only sort of real shock for me or was a uh, not being included. The rest really, yeah, it's, it's sort of what you expect at this stage, isn't it? Looking at the squad there, Robbie Brady seemingly is carrying an injury. Uh, Callum O'Dowd yeah. seemingly carrying an injury. Is Jack Bourne really in there just in case these don't pass fit? Yeah, I'm not overly optimistic, I have to say, of Bourne starting. Uh, to be honest, I think that he, he is just in there as sort of an understudy. As anything else, like look, Dowda and Brady both struggling with injuries uh, at the clubs. They're not even, and they're not even playing regular football due to the injuries and due to the niggles. So yeah, when I see him going in, I was happy to see him involved and everything. But I, I mean, no, no delusions that he's going to be starting the ninety minutes, or he might get a little cameo appearance off the bench, especially in the two the other games that the the squad has picked for in the uh, the Wales and Finland game and the National Nations League, or yeah, I couldn't see him starting such a big game against Slovakia in the playoff semi-final. I think, yeah, just to say he's in there as an understudy would probably be the right call, to be honest. Am I right in saying that the game day, the squad is cut down to 22? Yeah, so if you're looking, I'm looking at the squad here ahead of me, that um, if if the likes of Brady and if the likes of Adela are back to some sort of full fitness, you probably would think Jack is the one going to get the, the chop, wouldn't you? Mm. Especially yeah. in that midfield, like the rest, like you pretty much, you were going to pick out the mid. If you were going to pick at the midfield for the squad, that was probably the midfield you would have picked out. That one was the only one that you saw would have had to second guess about, really. Yeah, uh, for me, Jack Bourne should be in it no matter what. Anyhow, I, I, I certainly believe, and this is not for just League of Ireland talk, and you know we want someone from the League of Ireland playing. I actually think he's there on merit. I think he's played unbelievably well but anytime he's played for Ireland he's done unbelievably well he's there's a bit of invention to him there's a bit of a spark he's going looking for the ball he wants it he's not afraid to get on it he's not afraid to lose it and try and win it back I can't say the same for some of the other players so 
I think he's something different that we have and he doesn't have to start you know he, Stephen Kenny can start his solid team whatever he feels is a solid team Jack Bourne can come on with 30 minutes 25 minutes to go and and maybe change a game for you in whatever manner that is whether you're winning or, or drawn or, or, or losing and, and you want to try and push on it is a one-off game so you do have to go for it and there, I think our problem has been that when we've had these situations where maybe we need to go on and, and win a game, we haven't had the players to come on who actually spark something or set it alight or, or create anything on the pitch. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It's not like just saying because I'm a League of Ireland fan. It excites me more than midfielders in that squad. Like I'd rather see Jack Bone come on and head of someone like Harry Arthur, who I thought had a decent game uh, under the second game. But uh, yeah, I'd rather see Jack Bone come on, someone like Harry Harder or Alan Brown. He'd excite me a bit more coming on the field. Like I said, he has that bit of the great spark and he has, he's going to look up and like take out that final volley in it. And as well, knows what the goal is too. You know, like for someone that is a central midfielder, we've obviously seen it when we'll get into the game against the uh, Dock. But he will pick out a goal here uh, when he needs that. I would like to see him. Like I hope he's like, I hope he doesn't, isn't the one. If that's what it's going to come down to, but yeah, I, I would I should really agree with you there. I think that if they're looking at certain names, even the likes of James McCarthy, who I know he's playing the Premier League, but it's still, if it's like 15 minutes to go and you just need that little bit of unlock, Jack Bond probably will be the person to bring on and to go for it, just with his creativity alone. Yeah, yeah, I, I can understand why Kenny would put more experienced players out there to start. But yeah, you definitely need something there that's gonna. Ah, oh, huge! I mean, it's 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 a, such a massive game for for the Republic of Ireland that you know if, if you feel that. I mean, I I can't see Callum O'Dowd has never come off the bench and and done anything that's changed games. Alameda, I don't know if he's going to start. What do you reckon? Who do you think is going to start up front? David McGoldrick, Callum Robinson. We kind of were shocked on. when he he started up front for. Yeah, when he started up front for West Brom. And, I mean, he, he finished his goal as well, albeit on the counter-attack. I don't know how well he, he's going to be if you're if you're in the box and, and, and is he going to dominate with, with headers and what have you. But a counter-attacking side of football, he's perfect for an up, up front on his own. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to know who's going to start. Yeah, it is. I think... Um that was a big discussion we had was obviously the front midfield the front, oh, sorry the midfield tree along with the um, the front tree I think you can sort of look at the back forward and the goalkeeper and you can make a good estimated guess on what they're going to be but the front tree for me yeah that's the one that's really up in the air like I'd imagine you'd been in the likes of Dave McGoldrick which I have said before like obviously everyone knows his goal scoring record isn't fantastic but it's what he opposite away from that it's the way he holds the ball up, it's his physicality, it's the way he can link up play, which he will offer that too, this uh, Ireland squad. So do you go with the likes of inexperienced Adam Eda and uh, Aaron Connolly, that Stephen Kenny has, has went with in his first two games, or do you bring in the more on-form Callum Robinson, who personally I'm not his biggest fan, but I think he has an on-form like Robinson, who is scoring lately in the Premier League, I think it will be hard to deny him. Yeah, no, definitely. David McGoldrick brings people into games, so... If he started, I wouldn't have no any. I wouldn't have any complaints at all. I think if Adam Eda starts, I think it's the wrong move. He's not experienced enough. Aaron Connolly, you can see him starting. If he's doing that three up front, he's going to play him. So you're probably thinking 
maybe Adam Eden might play on the right, as you suggested before. Maybe Callum Robinson on the right, which would be the safe bet. So, yeah, that that that's probably possible. Um, Matt Doherty, Seamus Coleman, can they play in the same side? A lot of talk about could they and would they play in the same side. I think in the last game, we talked about Coleman not being on form and Matt Doherty need to come in and play in right full. I think that was the right call. I think this time now, if it's one or the other, maybe Coleman is definitely more informed than than Doherty. But can they play the two of them together? In the current formation, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I'm not too sure uh, because the, the midfield three seem to be somewhat central and not like it's more focused on being narrow rather than going out wide so you can't really put Doherty into that system but we've talked before I think we could both agree that um, the way you can fit the boat them in is probably going three at the back with Coleman probably with what you'd assume with the likes of Coleman with Duffy and Egan and it'll have um, Doherty as more of a white wing back where if you're going with if you're going with the four of the back it's eight of them send the half to squeeze in like in our position Seamus Coleman and put Doherty out on the right hand side so I think for me the only way to fit them in is to deal go three three at the back um, because like Coleman is like you said the most informed player at the moment in that position he's been fantastic for everything he has been where Doherty has seemed to struggle a little bit under his new where he's new Tottenham side but you leave some, you risk leaving someone like Matt Doherty and with his ability and with his ability going forward and what he offers going forward in terms of crossing the ball and delivery and even just general pace. Like you, you risk leaving him out of sight in such a big game. Do you think Stephen Kenny will change his formation? No, no, not not in the Slovakia Slovakia game anyway. Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's just if it's pretty safe to be honest. And he's, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the likes of Coleman standing ahead of Doherty. I think he'd just be going for the regular experienced head. He knows he'll get a performance off. Especially in the game in Slovakia, he'll just be looking to avoid any sort of mishaps, really. Yeah, and one of the big features of being a manager is your decisions and what decisions you make on the day with team selections and your changes so it's going to be a huge one Doherty and, and Coleman is going to be a huge one I think Coleman is the right one but he does have a little thing for Doherty so uh, that'll be interesting to see of course up front it'll be interesting to see if uh, David McGoldrick starts up front it's probably the logical one you know he's the only one who can really bring others into play so and again is Jack Bourne going to be there on the sideline maybe to change the game so there's a few a few decisions that he has to make but uh, anyhow that's for next week and, and really looking forward to that but this Thursday sees league champions Dundalk play Kai from the Faroe Islands in the Europa League playoff match with the winner guaranteed a cool three million for qualifying. And to put that into proportion, that's close to thirty years prize money for winning the league thirty years in a row. So Nathan, firstly, f- what a win against Sheriff and it really must give them confidence going into the match on Thursday. Certainly does, doesn't it? Like I, I thought it was a tough enough game. I thought it was even going into the game against Sheriff. I thought a lot of people really underestimated the Sheriff side a little bit, even though you fought an agent team on paper. I just trust it was always going to be a tough game, especially away from home. So to win it, and to win it in the way they did, like dragging them the whole way, like, like dragging them the whole way to pull a penalty shootout, 
and being able to keep our nerves, like it's, you know, yourself, it's a horrible way to lose any game. But to be able to overcome that and come through that and come through a lot of the stuff that he did during the game, it was, it was far from him. It's it, it dark uh, domination, if you will. So to come through all of that, they'll, they'll be full of confidence. And coming into this one, I think you'd have to be optimistic, wouldn't you, really, Roy, as, as, a, as a League of Ireland fan? Like, you'd like to, like, obviously, any League of Ireland fan would, would want to see them all getting into the group stages of the Europa League. And what sort of stock do you put into the, into the Faroe Riding League? Obviously, again, don't be underestimating anybody, but there certainly is a good chance of Hitchcock yeah, becoming the first ever League of Ireland sides to get into the Europa League group stages for the second time. And what do we so, know I'm about hopeful. what do we know about the Faroe side? Well, I make an attempt at their name, will I? <laughs> no, just call them Kai, uh, like I said. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry to any of our Fair Royal listeners. Um, but look, they're the reign of champions of the Fair Royal Premier Division, if you, if you will. And they're currently sitting in second place and they're on a eight-game winning streak in the league. So they're coming into this one on form. And not only that, they're coming into this one they're like deep into the season. As, in, as is Dundalk so you can't really look and say well no one's going to have the fitness advantage over the other like they're both used to playing on a pretty regular basis now at this stage but I'd just be optimistic I just think Dundalk will have that little bit more of a level and that little bit more to offer than the Fairwood inside as I can now call them apparently so uh, yeah I, I would be optimistic again don't want to resonate them but I think Dundalk will have enough to them yeah, now they've had a, an unbelievable win themselves in the last round, 6-1 against Dynamo Tbilisi, who are no mugs at all. So that's a hell of a win. And I think they were only beaten 3-1 by young boys of Bern in the qualifying campaign of the Champions League. So there is something about these. And if they underestimate them, well, could, they could cost them. Yeah, and even looking at the squad, it's... Um like we said, the Sherrod team that Dundalk played in the last round was pretty aging with us. A lot of the lads that are playing regularly in, in the side are in their mid to late 20s. So it's really young, it's obviously a good squad that has a lot to offer, you know. And like you said, they got a good, good win in the last round. Young boys who are regular, regular weeks in the group stages of major European competition didn't roll them over in the Champions League by any stretch, stretch of the imagination. So... Yes, like I keep saying, like it, it can't be up under uh, underestimating things like this. Like I think we'll give it a tougher game than a lot of people might give credit for. Yeah, is playing at the Aviva an empty Aviva at that? Is that a benefit or a hindrance? Um, I think it might be a little bit of a hindrance. We're going to see. It. I know. Look, you know, like as much as you'd love to see it in front of a packed Oriel Park, even if you got them in Oriel Park, it was going to be empty. But that's the home. That's what they use it. They they have the advantage on the on the Astro Tour. They have the advantage of just knowing the place. And you, you know yourself, little small quirks about your home ground. That all comes into your, especially with the, the Astro Tour on Dundalk. So it won't be a huge, like it won't be, it won't sway it away, like really, because Dundalk at this stage are used to playing the previous stadium and all that. The reason every point that they've been involved in, so. It won't be like a huge factor in the game, but I think you'd always like to bring them back to their natural home and to bring them back to make to make it as uncomfortable as possible. So while I wouldn't put too much, but I think he would rather be playing in all the park. Of course, he would. Yeah, uh, best of luck to Dundalk. I think the whole country behind them. It's on RTE. Uh, 
maybe by the time you're listening to this you already know the result but uh, it's on RT at half seven on Thursday night and we will all be watching that last Sunday though they played Shamrock Rovers 4-0 to Shamrock Rovers it, it was a bit of a hammering it was a bit of a stroll in the park for Shamrock Rovers but there was a lot of changes yeah there was that's clearly yeah, the story of the game isn't it Where when I first foreseen it was like 4-0 I was going to see the game. I was like, four nil. God, that's a... Uh, I didn't expect that, but then he really clicked in and actually read the game and look at the game again, look at the squad. But then Doc made a whole, a whole change. One trainer said, Shamrock Rovers, you have to go. You know, you have to go out and win these games. And like, like it wouldn't have been a Hanniskin game by any stretch of the imagination. But if you look at the two teams, the two starting 11s on paper, you'd fancy Shamrock Rovers to win that game and win as he did and win it very comfortably. With, um, as we mentioned, the top of Jack Bourne, for me, Looking back at the game, it was um, it was the Jack Bourne show. It really seemed like everything that everything that was really good about Shamrock Rovers, and he had particularly a couple of strong patches in the game. And any time we had these strong patches, everything in the country where uh, Jack Bourne was he got got two goals in the game, but the last goal being absolutely brilliant. Like he out, like he almost with Chris Shields, which is no easy task whatsoever. And then just put around the goalkeeper and slot it in at this angle. Like, it really was just something special to behold. But now, in fairness to Tiris Shamakovas, we all expect him to be marching on the way to the title any time now. So, it was probably one of the games they look at and say, yeah, like, that, that's the that's the one now. You know, like, if if there was any, which there wasn't, but there was any sort of round, like, oh, will he, won't he win the title? That's gone now. It's, it's, it's been long gone, but it's definitely gone now. Like, beating the reigning champions in Dunbar in this fashion, like, is very impressive. For me, I watched the game, I watched the first 60 minutes and I had to turn it off then because it was n- not that Shamrock Rovers were boring, but the game, the contest was, it was gone. There was no contest at all. It, it was a formality, the game. It, it could have finished five or six. I looked at it later on, it was four. It was a bit disappointing that that's the way the, the game was taken and no I still think it's the right move for Dundalk to make all those changes, but for the league, it's it, it doesn't help. It I suppose uh, it, it definitely didn't help that game, which should have been one of the, the highlight of the the weekend, and it really wasn't the highlight of the weekend. It was, as you said, a formality. So, yeah, it was disappointing to see the, the game turn out the way it did. Uh, you were hoping that there'd be there'd be something a little bit more there, a little bit more entertaining. But listen, Jack Bourne put his bit out there and, and, and entertained us uh, with, with his skill and a and, and little bit of class uh, but Bowes uh, Nathan Bowes kept it late there against Derry City at the weekend like this is like talk about a smash and grab like this is the ultimate smash and grab like <laughs> you were lucky to even get a draw out of the game when they got the, when they went one all I was saying to myself this, I would be if I was uh, Keith Lawn, I would be skipping out Daily Mount Park after we skipping out, I thought they would see it with a much better side. Especially in the first half, I thought Bowers offered absolutely nothing, especially going forward. And though Bresnan was probably one of the, the only bright sparks really for Bowers. He was involved in a lot of the good defensive work and the good work going forward even. But besides that, I thought Bowers offered very little. But then they go up and get the winner. <laughs> like the very last kick of the game. Uh, uh, you can only imagine what, what Declan Devoy must have been ripping his hair where he's there he saw it and he'd, like, he'd be he'd be ripping out more I, if he gets any more results the way it's going because Nathan what, what are they on now they're on 13 points 
that's only three points off the playoff for relegation and four points off Cork. They're really on a bad run. And not only that, I'm actually, as I speak, and here I'm looking at them in the background, they're playing Slides of Oves at the moment, and they just conceded a late goal to go 1 0 down in that game. So that's just, just adding to the worries that's going on at Derry City. And at Derry City side, uh, I think yourself and myself included, uh, coming back into the break, fancied to make a push for you. And we've said multiple times during, uh, during these podcasts that uh, it's just not been clicking for them at all. I know they struggled with a little bit of a couple of injuries throughout the season, but a lot of the teams have too, you know. It's just, I don't know what it is, but just the style of playing, watching how Derry City play, Max play is very surprising. Because you usually expect to get a good, fast-paced, uh, like keeping the ball on the deck, like a good, good passing game out of Derry City. But for the most part of what I've seen, that's just not what you're getting out of them at all, really. It's, and it was just extremely frustrating. Uh, night for them against Bowers and that game has just finished up the Sligo Rovers game and Derry City game so that's another frustrating night for them so they really are their team on the slides at a, at a very delicate part of the season Are you confident now with St Pats after their 2-0 win against Shells at the weekend are you confident Pats can I suppose stay away from th- that end of the table now or with, what's it left now five games left I don't know if confidence is the right word it's, it was a Good, good performance. It was probably one of the better performances that I've seen from Pat uh, this season. I thought it was a lot of good. Like Luke McNally, Chris Forrester and uh, Robbie Benson were three particular standouts for me. But Pat have a tough run in coming up. They have, they're playing Cork City. They have Dundalk, Finn Hearts away. It's going to be a nightmare. Uh, and then they, fin- they finish up with Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians. So that's a tough one in for Pats, you know. So I've seen some certain Pats fans talking about probably challenging for Europe. And while I like to consider myself a bit of an optimist, optimistic fan, I'd still take a hand. I'd still bite your hand off and stay in the league, to be honest with you. I think if, uh, we can't be getting too ahead of ourselves now after one win against the, against a decent Shelbourne side. But a Shelbourne side, it was, it was never going to be really challenging it in the top top part of the league now you know so yeah look I'm not going to be too pessimistic about it but I think if we just if we stay in the league this year I'll be, I'll be happy yeah and since uh, John Jordan left uh, Waterford have put in a couple of really good performances and uh, the winner at the weekend was oh, what a cracker goal of the season contender wasn't it really was in fairness yeah again Waterford looked well I thought it was more so Sligo really struggled to break that down that Waterford team. I don't know what you thought about it, but that was my taking of it. I thought Sligo was really poor, but he showed very little going forward, very little in the midfield. They really did it. were missing a spine out of the team completely. And one thing that, like, I have sort of a connection to the Sligo Rovers, as you know, right, uh, living down in Sligo. And I know myself and a lot of the local fans are they're very annoyed with the way that this that uh, junior is being used in the team. He's saying that he's just being completely misused and they're not really playing into his and like, suiting his abilities. So I don't what do what you think about that one, like because he came in obviously with a lot of the hype around him coming in from Derry City and being the top goal scorer last season, but it just hasn't seemed to really work for him, hasn't it? It was you're expecting them to hit the ground running. That's one thing that from the year before, you expect them to hit the ground running. And 
he seems to be more in wide areas than in where you want them to be. Is that what you're finding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're um, they're sort of mixing and matching them. Like I even with David City, he was he was out on the left hand side a lot, but he had a lot of free reign to cut in and to play more central when the game provided that option for him. But absolutely, I'm seeing him a lot either out on the left hand side, out, like regimentally out on the left hand side, like as just an out and out winner, or he's playing up top of Ronan Cochran and he, they're using him as a weird sort of holding central uh, striker which is strange which just is just completely not walking into his attributes at all like we all know the junior's attributes like his pace and his goal scoring ability so to have him sort of being used as a target man of sorts for me it just really doesn't make sense at all and I just think they're hindering him more than anything else so it's always going to be tough coming in midway through the shortened season like we've seen it with certain players like I've seen it myself with George Kelly I think Pat started if you don't hit the ground running it's always going to be tough but if, if the style of play isn't being used in your favour it's even tougher you know like you really are like weighing the going down and it's not really giving him much a sense of the stay is it if, if he's going to look and say well look these, these aren't actually doing me any favours with the style of play here it's there's not much of a reason for him to be saying it depends on the wages he's getting that does depend on the way <laughs> <to get> you. <laughs> with that wind that'll push that'll push them up into fourth position if they if that wind comes true so yeah they mightn't be doing too bad you, you don't know like I mean for the supporter it may look weird for the supporter maybe frustrating but maybe maybe he's happy to work for the team like that maybe he, he's not too bothered by it so it's one of those situations where the fans might be bothered but maybe he's not too bothered and as I said if the wages are decent enough uh, he might even stay another year but yeah it's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting one alright and uh, if they get that victory there tonight uh, they're, they're really pushing for Europe but I really can't see it because Dundalk have games in hand and you're expecting them to have to try and get into that sort of top four position bottom four Cork, Finn Harps, Shelbourne, Derry. Are we going to include Sligo? Probably not Sligo now, but there's the there's your bottom four. You've got five games left to play. How can you see this playing out? Um, I think Cork are gone. I think they're gone. As I've been saying they're gone for a couple of weeks now. I just see, even with Finn Harps, they were very close. And there's only just one point in the difference between the two. But you know, with Finn Harps, especially up in Bally Buffet, Ollie Horgan is going to set that team up to be a nightmare. And St. Pat's are going up there in the third, like the third final game. And it's, it's a game I won't be looking forward to, I have to say. It's always a tough place to go. So, Finn has off that going for them. Where I, don't, I just don't see what Cork have going for them at the moment, to be honest with you. Even as we've seen him against Finn Harps, it's a game that they'd be disappointed. They, went, they obviously went one look, but he came out with a draw. So, yeah, I think if, if Corp are going to be really staying in the league, I thought he should have he would have been looking to beef in Harps, but a draw probably what might not deal with him. So I think Cork 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 be gone. Uh probably Finn Harps might stay into that in that ninth position. Um Shelbourne eight. I wouldn't be surprised if Pat get dropped back down into that relegation battle either. So yeah, I'll go with Cork and Harps, Shelbourne and me my own beloved St. Pat's as much uh, as a horse to say. Yeah, well I think if, if anyone was betting on it I think it, that's exactly how it would go especially with the bottom two you're looking at Finn Harps you think they'll have enough over Cork Cork has said have never really set any 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 game that I've seen a light um, I'm surprised they got many points at all the, the, the nine points they got uh, I, I can't see how, how they got them if it's just bad days with the other teams because I have 
I've nothing for Cork actually and I've always enjoyed watching Cork City play over the years but it's just fallen flat on its face and be very surprised to see Neil Fenn there next year. First division and Wexford have a new assistant manager in Harry Kenny and uh, came up trumps at the weekend. Yeah, the Harry Kenny effect, what? Shame we couldn't do it in there, ain't we? I really love you, Harry, really love you. Uh, yeah, 5-1, Jesus. And it was a surprising 5-1 victory too against Cabin Teddy, who we, we, we said it as well, like the Cabin Teddy bubble has seemingly burst. We were, we were, we were top of the league not so long ago, but like, no, Cabin Teddy are in no bad shape themselves. But it, it was a surprising win, I have to say. It was, I was very surprised to see uh, not only Wexford beating Cabin Teddy, but beating them in the fashion they did and beating them in the manner that they did so comfortably away from home. Like this Wexford side have been the whipping boys for most of the league and in recent times. So to see them coming out and, and doing, like, as being as dominant as, as they have done from the start, they scored getting a goal in the first five minutes and it just didn't stop from there. So in fairness, you have to give credit where it's due to Wexford. He took themselves um, out being the most out-of-formed sides and they've came with a really surprising result, which... Short and big is always going to throw these sort of results up, but I didn't see this one coming. I really didn't, and um, and I think oh, I would say a lot of people have seen it coming. I wouldn't that's not like such a big statement to make, but yeah, credit where it's due. They've absolutely battered a uh, Cabinteely side. I suppose the big game at the weekend was Bray and Drogheda, and Bray had been on such an, uh, a great run that you were expecting probably to, for them to get something out of the game, but Drogheda nicked it and. As you predicted, and 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 as Jared, in fairness himself, uh, they've they've hit the front probably just at the right time, and and they look, they look like they're going to stri- uh, stride on and and win this division. Yeah, they do. This is a, this is a big win for them. It really was a very very big win for them. Um, yeah, like I said, we were saying a couple of times um, that I thought they would go on and and win the division. And the, there's a bit of a gap, like not a gap, but there's a little bit of the gap starting to open up now that wasn't there. Like if you, if you look at draw the Bray and Longford, at the moment, with everybody level on games, these seem to be the the three that are really going to be the front runners going for the title. Personally, I think draw the will do it. Like if you look at the last last games, you have uh, Athlone at home, Galway away, Wexford at home, and Cavendish away from home. Four, t- four of the teams, probably besides Galway, and not Galway, but we thought of Galway in a sec that they got beaten, but like at Law and Galway, Wexford and Cavendish, all teams just fancy draw to go, to go and really get something out of the games. And that's what it is now for draw it. It's not about looking at teams around them, like they're beating Brain, they're beating a couple of at the moment. So now it's it's just all about draw to go now and picking up points and winning games and not worrying about what anyone else is doing. They're the, they're the, the pace setters now and they're the front runners and they're just going to have to keep picking up points. So I'd be very surprised if if they did mess it up now at this stage with four games left. For all the talk of Shamrock Rovers too at the start of the season, they've plummeted down to rock bottom after that loan found a bit of uh, form that we didn't expect to see. In all fairness, so I uh, don't know the league, league's not over, but how do you, how do you view Shamrock Rovers too this year? Yeah, with the R and D, they sort of walk off the whims of of the um, of the, the senior side, really. You know, like you don't know what last like some weeks where you have Liam Scales. There's someone like Liam Scales in the squad. He was a fantastic asset. He, it's it's not wasted away at 
Shamrock Rovers, but if he went into Adi Rasoid, like, and I was saying a bit of game time now, but if he went into Adi Rasoid, in the Premier Division, he'd be the man centre half. So some weeks he's down playing with the the Shamrock Rovers too, so it's, some weeks he's not. So it's always going to be tough to get some uh, consistency together if you're Shamrock Rovers too. I'm surprised that the, if they're going to finish bottom of the table, I'm surprised because I thought Atlone just looked completely dead in the water. He picked up two good wins in the bounce to sort of push himself up the tables, but yeah, it's just not look. There's not much you can really read into the Shamrock Rovers too. So I think they're more so as a development squad and a feeder squad. I think if there's certain lads in that team, like you have like someone like Aaron Bolger who came back from Cardiff City on loan, I'd be surprised if he's down there. Brandon Cavanagh has been very good for them. I'm surprised if he's down there next season. So that's all the air read. It's just going to be walking off the wings of, of the the fourth team and. I think the results are starting to show themselves really that it's a very young, inexperienced squad coming up against squads full of experienced, tough lads that know the league, you know, they're always going to be at some sort of disadvantage. It's, always, it's definitely better though than having a nine-team league though and having someone idle each week. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm not down that in, in the slightest, like, no. But um, it was it was always just going to be what it was, wasn't it? It was. It, they were never going to be I know they couldn't get promoted, but they were never going to be causing eruptions or up the top end of the table, or they were never going to be the nightmare team that people dreaded to, to, to play. It was, it was just always going to be middling around the bottom half of the table. But no, definitely, yeah. It was, like, it was glad to see them come into the league and to make a champion league, and it'd, be, it'd just be a bit pointless to see one team being out every week. You, uh, you have a couple of questions from uh, some fans' questions. Shoot, Nathan, let's hear them. Yeah, we do, as always. Uh, thanks very much to anybody that did send them in. We're trying to get different people, you know, different questions from different people every week. So I've seen some people are, um, are sending them in. I wonder why they're not being on. But no, definitely keep sending them in. We'll, we'll get different people on every week. It's just always good to get a range of different fans and different voices and age groups and everything like that, you know. So, no, for this, uh, Stalin. We have a first question in from Imelda Bones. And Imelda is a self-confessed Waterford fan and she's obviously mentioned that Michael O'Connor has recently left and gone to Ross County, so best of luck to Michael. So, speaking of that, Imelda wants to know, what one player that isn't currently playing in the top four clubs? Putting back the throwers, Shamrock Rovers, Bohemian, Waterford and Dundalk, do you think is good enough to make a move abroad? No. When you said this to me, I kind of thought that you meant an Irish player, but the first player that came into my head wasn't Irish, uh, Walter Figuera, who, again, I keep saying this, and I still think that if one of those top four teams took him on, that he'd be a huge asset. I I, I think his athleticism, his uh, crossing of the ball, his quick feet, I just think he's, he's too good for that Derry City team at the moment, and... Even a, even a Shamrock Rovers, I, I think they'd be mad not to try and pick him up because I think he can do a, do a hell of a job. So could he make it back across the water again in England? Yeah, 100%. I think he could definitely make it at championship level. League one, definitely, that'd be no problem. But yeah, cha- championship level, uh, I think he could make that uh, return back. Yeah, I think he's a fantastic player. I really do. Like yourself, I sort of just went with uh, the fourth person that came to mind. Because if you look at most squads in the Premier Division, there's going to be somebody in, in most teams that you could look at and say, oh, yeah, they, they could definitely go over and give it 
give it a shot. But uh, Ed McGinty was the first one that came to mind for me, just like a robot goalkeeper. He's impressed. He's really impressed me the past couple of seasons when he's he's got in and he's made that number one spot in the slide between the slide of sticks. It's, it's his now. It's made his own. So he's really impressed me. There's like one or two things in his game that you'd, you'd like to see him sort of knock out. Like his, um, with his distribution, it's it's a bit bit patchy to say but he's only 21 you know like as goalkeepers like as goal like that's very young there's plenty of time to where to get to knock that out of his game and to get more experience under his belt so 21 he's big lad as well for his age and fairness he's probably not the tallest guy in the world but he's got to beefing out nicely and again like, he can always get bigger like not taller but he can always get bigger and plus uh, Sligo Rovers have another young goalkeeper on the bench uh, Luke McNicholas who by all accounts is another fantastic young goalkeeper and some people involved with Sligo even rate him more as a prospect than Ed McGinty. So if you see someone like McGinty going over to the possibly to you know, the SBL or League One or whatever it may be, it could make room now with this lad McLicklis coming up and it could make him probably you know, step up now and make that number one jersey his own. So probably walk out go for both sides, you know, McGinty gets his, his move abroad and Ron McNicholas can show what he's all about if if he's as good as a lot of people think he is down these parts. You're settling in nicely down there. Oh, I am. That's why I just I had to get it in there. You know, like, I, I, I have my quote of Sligo Rovers. Uh, I just had to mention them every probably 40 seconds. So right. Yeah. Yeah. Got it in there. <laughs> uh, okay, your second question. Yeah, second and final one is in from uh, Brian Gilmartin. And uh, I actually like this one. If Shamrock Rovers win the league as expected, do you feel that they will have an asterisk besides the title victory due to the short season? as some rival fans are suggesting. Well, it's not it's not surprising that rival fans are suggesting. If I, if I was a rival fan too, I'd be suggesting that too. But in all fairness, the league had only barely started. There was only a couple of games on the board. Most leagues play each other twice. So for me, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. There's no asterisks beside this. The league... Start. I think was it two or three games. I think it was might have been three games that it, we we had played. Yeah, I think it was. And so there was there was so much time there that uh, it wasn't like it was uh, halfway through the season and they stopped it dead or anything like that. It was a start of a season. There was still the majority of games, the eighty percent of games still left to play and. Shamrock Rovers went and they went and won practically nearly every game. They're still unbeaten, aren't they? Still unbeaten, yeah. And that's that's one thing that that's um, not a lot of people have mentioned that, but now it's starting to come up now with the league obviously coming to into its final months that people are saying, well, not only are they looking to go for the title, but they're looking to go and do the invincible. <laughs> we still have an invincible season, so. In fairness to them, you can't really have much complaints, can you? No, I might put an asterisk beside the invincible season. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's 18 games, so yeah. But it's definitely, yeah, listen, they, they are going to be invincible. And to tell you the truth, when you look at the league next year, it'll be interesting to see if Dundalk get into the Europa League and bag their three million, how are they going to spend that money? It's been interesting how they've developed the team from their last run, and I'm not sure that they've got the best out of. I mean, of course they did. They did brilliant in the league, and they've they've won league titles, won cup titles. But it's like the money was running out, and it's just as well that this cup 
run has sort of progressed the way it has progressed because I was kind of worrying a bit about Dundalk there. They didn't get into Europe and they still might not get into it. Uh, but if they, they didn't get into Europe, there's no money coming in. There's, again, there's no money coming in through gate receipts. And you just wonder with the owners and all, you know, are they going to stick around if there if if there's no money being made at the club? So uh, I think they're at a tricky patch. This game on Thursday is absolutely huge. Yeah, I I think that we can't underplay the importance of this game whatsoever. Like you said, like even not that long ago, we like a lot of people, probably ourselves included, thought and Dark were going through a bit of a crisis where they were struggling in the league. They got rid of Vinnie Peart and Alan Reynolds. They brought in these two Italian managers that nobody heard of, and everybody laughed off immediately. And, yeah, like you said, the money seemed to be drying up. The owners just kept seemed to be coming out with ridiculous statement after ridiculous statement. So, you don't seem like the type that are going to hang around for the love of the football and for the love of the town and the love of the club. So, without European football, I, I wouldn't have been, wouldn't be surprised at all to see these uh, American owners uh, move on from the dark. And if they can get into the group stages now and they have this, this fantastic prize money coming in, all of a sudden, you have something to play with. You have sort of phones to work with and to, and to build on, which would be interesting to see because that's always one thing I really enjoyed with Stephen Kenny was when he sold on players or he lost players, he's a built-in knack. He's all for players. Like he just replaced them instantly, not a problem. Like he'd, he'd lose some, some, some very good players. He had like Pat Hope and Richie Towell that left over the years of uh, Pat Hope and Matone, but he'd, he'd replace them. And I just... I'd be interested to see if what sort of players that Dundalk will bring in if they are successful and if they do get into the group stages, how, how they will spend this money on the squad. Like The two guys that are at the helm at the moment, like they don't know the league, they don't know what sort of players are, are creating the crop. I'm sure they'd be advised on this sort of thing, but sometimes you just can't be experienced and knowledge of the league world. Yeah, and I mean, there was talk last year this time last year about them getting going to the next level and getting foreign players in to try and push them on to get into Europe and what have you so again it, that next level what is the next level if they, they'll get if, say if they get their 3 million this week is that it is that what they're looking for is just to try and get in there If that's their little jackpot each year that's their, their Champions League is to get into a group stage of the Europa League and once they get in that's the season made. Yeah, I think that could be the, the realistic short-term goal anyway, is to start making these group stage appearances a bit more a bit more regular. Like, they've, they've been in the group stages before, once before, so if they can start making this a regular occurrence, I think that would be their surprise at the end of the road every season. And they could, it's all the money they could fall back on then, you know, because like, as we know, they're not having a very good season this season. But they, if they do come out with European football and they find themselves in the group stages with three million coming in, all of a sudden things are overly worrying. If you're a Dundalk fan, like you do have this this good prize money coming in and to guarantee European football next season if they finish in the top three. So I think realistically, yeah, that could be a good short term goal for Dundalk. And back to the question: 
No, no asterisks for Shamrock Rovers and a fantastic no, job no. and a fantastic job done no. by Stephen Bradley and his and his team and his coaching staff and everyone around. I think we're giving them the title here, and we, we I don't think we can. We, yeah. it's not nothing else is going to happen. Nothing's going to change. So I don't think the bookies are taking any money on it either. So yeah, well done, Shamrock Rovers, and uh, hopefully well done Dundalk this week because uh, again, I'm sure even Shamrock Rovers fans will back uh, Dundalk this weekend because it's good for the league. It's hundred percent good for the league yeah. okay Nathan that's it for this week uh, look at the bigkickoff.com Nathan has some great articles there not only on the League of Ireland but on MMA football from around the world and a hell of a lot more and uh, all our other writers have some fantastic uh, reviews we've also got now a tennis podcast a, a cricket podcast a football podcast and of course a rugby podcast out there as well so we're building all the time so Take take a look at the bigkickoff.com as well. And if I, I might have a little word with Nathan about an MMA one. Ooh, okay, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, thanks very much and we'll talk to you again next week.